0: There are so many ways you can support H.U.G. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsewnighttheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support.
1: Winnie's always going to need a pacemaker.
0: And so before that, I felt
1: really obligated to help Winnie understand what was going to happen. And I went on this mission to
0: start drawing and writing. Welcome to Heart Month 2023. Here is another episode in our Wednesday writer chat series of Heart to Heart with Anna. I am Anna Jaworski and the mother of an adult with a critical congenital heart defect. My child is 28 years old. My inspiration and the reason I am the host of your program. Today's show is Heart Mom author Maggie Schmieder and our guest is Maggie Schmieder. We'll start today's program by learning a bit about Maggie and her daughter's health condition. In the second segment, we'll talk about how Maggie came to write her book for the CHD community. In the final segment, we'll get advice from Maggie, and we'll find out what her plans for the future are. Maggie Schmieder is an author, and she loves learning. And when she finds something she loves, she pours her heart and soul into making something little into something big. Her first book was A Very Divvy Day, which captures her love for animals, whimsy, and words. Maggie is married to Derek, and together they have two daughters, Ebby and Winnie, dogs Dotty and Archie, and a pet hamster, you got it, named Divvy. Maggie's second daughter, Winnie, has had a chronic heart condition, which seems to be better under control now, but we'll be getting into that more during our interview. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna. Maggie? Hi, Anna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so thrilled that we are talking today about your books. But first, I'd like to start by learning a little bit more about Winnie. It seems like she has a fairly complicated heart history. So can you tell my listeners and me about her heart condition? Sure. So when he was born, a happy, healthy baby. At eight
1: weeks, she had a cold and a rash. And I took her to the pediatrician, just assuming that it was viral. And relating to her sister, she had a toddler's daycare cold. So I took her in. And as the doctors were examining her, he had mentioned something about an irregular heartbeat. Which obviously made my own heartbeat and heart drop. And he looked at me and he found that it was significant enough that he thought that we should go have an ECG done. So I waited in the room while he called around to decide which hospital we should go to. And he sent us down to Lurie's Children's Hospital in Chicago. So I packed my bag and met Derek there. He had been working at the city at the time. And when we arrived, when he was admitted to the hospital. So they admitted her for monitoring and the doctors watched her heart rhythm and didn't echo, interviewed us for any family history. And as I sat there, I panicked. I had never considered even a structural heart defect before. I had never thought of an electrical condition. And this was the first of many visits to the hospital with our electrophysiologist.
0: She never had any of the typical heart Condition problems like turning blue or fainting or sweating profusely. She didn't have any of those symptoms? No, she was a happy, healthy baby. We laughed when she was in the hospital.
1: She was the fattest, happiest one on the floor. (laughs) And ultimately, when she was diagnosed with heart block, we learned a little bit more about that. But she Mm -hmm. really was asymptomatic. Typically, children who are diagnosed, their mothers have autoimmune antibodies for lupus and Sjogren syndrome. And Mm -hmm. I've been tested several times. and I don't have any of those. We'll never know what caused it in Winnie.
0: So you say you were tested several times. Was that because you had experienced some problems or was that just related to your daughter's heart block? Yeah, great question. No, specifically related to Winnie because
1: that's usually the cause in infants and in children. And they test the mother to see if they're carriers for those antibodies. And I am not.
0: Wow. So it sounds like once Winnie's heart block was discovered, it still took a while before the doctors took a more definitive approach to her condition. So can you tell us about the timeframe of discovery that she had a condition to the point where they actually did something about it? Yeah. So we had two inpatient stays. Doctors
1: really tried hard to reverse the heart block. There isn't any research that supports administering steroids after birth that they're able to reverse that, but they tried and we were super appreciative and we'll always be grateful for that. Ultimately though, at four months old, her second degree heart block, which meant that she was dropping some of those intermittent beats, had progressed to complete heart block or third degree heart block. And that just means that the top and bottom chambers of her heart were no longer communicating with each other. That node that sends the electrical signal in between was damaged. And Winnie was reliant on natural backup pacemakers that we actually all have in our heart. And four months old, the news came with the reality that at some point she would need a pacemaker. That would speed her heart up and her heart rate up so that she'd be able to keep up with friends and do all the other things in life that she'd need the energy to do. So every three to six months, we'd go to cardiology for a checkup and a 24-hour Holter monitor, and they'd look at her heart rate, her heart size, and really look for any irregular, potentially dangerous arrhythmias. Each time before those appointments, your anxiety just increases. And I found myself, really, the worry would set in a month or so before each of those appointments.
0: I think that's so common, Maggie, no matter what your child's heart condition is, My child was being seen for a while, every month, and then it was every couple months, and then finally every six months. And just like you, I would feel my own anxiety rising because just like you, my child's condition was not diagnosed in utero. We don't know what caused it. And I think I was always waiting for that other shoe to drop.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Winnie is what people would maybe refer to as wait to pace because she wasn't paced immediately when her heart block was discovered. And that was really hard. I know I connected with other moms in the heart block community and moms and dads know everything. They become experts really. And I heard time and time again that the waiting was worse than actually having it done. And that was something that I really didn't accept or understand the notion of until I was on the other side of it.
0: Yeah, I totally understand. My child has a complex congenital heart defect, and we were told would need three procedures. And the waiting between the first and second seemed interminable. (laughs) And yeah, I totally understand what you mean. And then after that, we waited for six years for the third surgery. Wow! And it was every six months, being told maybe within the next six months, probably within the next six months. That's a long period of time to just keep thinking maybe this is going to happen. Sure. Yeah, you
1: live in this land of the unknown because there Mm -hmm. are plans and we had a family and it's hard to make long-term travel plans and things that happen in life when you're always waiting for that news. It controls your calendar.
0: It really does. And for me, I didn't want to take any responsibilities that were long-term like being an officer for my child's swim team or something mm-hmm. like that, because what if the surgery was coming up in a couple weeks or a couple months, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden I wouldn't be able to fulfill those responsibilities. It really does. It dictates your life in a way that if you're not in that situation, you don't really understand it. So what was the most valuable lesson that you learned while you were waiting, Maggie?
1: Yeah, ultimately her last checkup before her pacemaker was on Valentine's Day, 2020, and we got the call. He said it was time for surgery. Her heart rate had dipped into the low 30s at night. Her left ventricle was getting mildly enlarged just due to the increased blood flow. Fewer pumps, more blood. And I had a lot of feelings. I was shattered. I was relieved, grateful, scared. And you feel all of those things at the same time.
0: Yeah.
1: Pacemaker surgery is different in a child than an adult. In an adult, they typically tuck it up into the Kind of chest area above the arm, and then they use your veins to put the leads into the heart. And for a kid, they do it differently. They open up the chest and then they place the battery in a child's tummy and then they sew those wires directly to the heart. So bigger surgery, but it allows for better protection and longevity sure. for someone needing a pacemaker for decades when he's always going to need a pacemaker. And so before that, I felt really obligated to help Winnie, understand what was going to happen. And I went on this mission to start drawing and writing. Patience was probably, and trusting the process was the most important part of that, trusting the doctors and understanding. It was hard for me to accept that No one was going to let Winnie leave the hospital or do anything that was dangerous for her. And that was something that I had to come to realize. It always felt emergent to me, Mm -hmm. getting those test results back or wanting the information, getting a call back from the doctor. But really, it wasn't emergent. And so when it's your own child, it's always paramount. And I had to gain some perspective into that and trusting the process.
2: please send an email to Anna Jaworski at Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. That's Anna at hearttoheartwithanna.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Anna.
0: In the last segment, we learned about Maggie's daughter, Winnie, and her medical history and how she ended up needing a pacemaker. In this segment, let's talk about your books. You already alluded to this with your answer to your last question. You said you found yourself needing to write. So talk to me about writing and how that came into play once Winnie had a pacemaker. Sure. So when we got that news, I
1: thought I have to have a way to explain this to her. I have to have a way for her and her sister to understand that the time has come for surgery and what that would look like. And so I took copy paper and markers and pencils and I started drawing and And with that, I wrote the story, and I wrote the timeline and the story of what would happen before surgery and after surgery. And we celebrate Winnie's pacemaker's birthday every year. We call it the Pacerversary. (laughs) And so on her first Pacerversary, I had taken that book, and I made little copies of it. And... I shared it with her friends and the guests, and I wanted them to understand why we were here and why we were celebrating. And not until a friend of mine said, hey, Maggie, you need to publish this. Did I consider sharing this story with others? And for families who were going through the same thing and also preparing for pacemaker surgery.
0: Sure. Now, how old is Abby? What's the age difference between the girls? So,
1: Abby is about two and a half years older than Winnie. So, they're pretty close. And Winnie was four at the time, so she was six. They were both little. We had always been very honest and open about Winnie's heart condition. We've fundraised for the hospital and run the marathon and gotten Winnie's Warriors together to fundraise for the cardiology department. But it's very different when we're talking about surgery and the impact to our family
0: directly. Absolutely. So... We know that with a children's book, the pictures are of paramount importance. So who was your illustrator?
1: I am actually the illustrator of the books. (laughs) I do things a little unconventionally. Most of the time, an author would write the text and then it would go to a publisher and an illustrator would be found. But for me, it's all of it together that's impactful. If... I can write the story and I can draw the pictures. Then I can be the one to make sure that my story is told in the way that I want it to be told. And for Winnie's Heart Powers Up, those pictures really needed to be cheerful and calming and something that a child would want to read and that my child would want to read because the topic is scary. And so Mm. I needed to make sure that the book gave us what we needed. And that was an explanation and some safety around her upcoming surgery.
0: I love that. I love that. So are the characters, do the characters resemble your own daughters then? Or your They own... do. Yep. Do you'll they?
1: Look, you'll, <laughs> Is there a you'll sister? You'll find in the
0: book. Yep. <laughs> Abby's in the book and she's got
1: curly brown hair and my niece Molly was there. And luckily we could rely on family to help us through this and to be Aww. here when we were at the hospital. And Winnie's got that short little hair and she won't wear bows anymore, but that was definitely when she was four, what she looked like.
0: Oh, I just love that. So what was the most challenging part of becoming a published author, Maggie? My
1: first book about the hamster, the family hamster, I, that was just joyful. That was fun for the kids and I to do. We were inspired by having this new pet and this critter. And we started taking pictures and thought, this is fun. Let's give this a try. And I think those technical skill the technical skills needed to be able to publish and actually get the book to print was something really challenging for me. I had the creativity. I had the ideas. I had people around me supporting me. And it was those specific pieces of bookmaking and the layout, the software, that I didn't really have when I first started. And it's gotten easier the more I've done.
0: Sure, absolutely. In the third segment, let's talk a little bit more about your experience with publishing and writing and advice you would have for other wannabe writers, because I'm sure this has happened to you too, Maggie. When people find out um, a published author, so many of them say, oh, I want to write a book.
1: Yeah, I've had a few people reach out, actually, and that's intimidating, too, because I would not say I am even close to being an expert. I'm pleased that I've been able to get my books into the hands of readers, and hopefully they've made a difference. I wouldn't change, though, the pain of the process. Having to edit and rework my pages just time and time again, it really taught me about perseverance and ultimately gave me the skills to write more books and allowed me to focus more on the creativity than the technicalities of the process.
0: So the one thing you wouldn't change is your journey. But if you had a magic wand and you could go back and change something, what would you change? You know, it would have been great to have a mentor. The topic of these books, the hamster book is very
1: fun, but Winnie's Heart Powers Up is a book for everybody. And everybody that's experiencing the same things, anyone who has a child with a heart condition, a pacemaker, a scar, And so it would have been nice to have someone not only to mentor me through the book creating process, but also just to make sure that I was getting the story right. I'm hopeful that I have, but to have people be able to give me that feedback would would have been really
0: helpful. Absolutely. The smart thing is that it sounds like your books are all from your own experience, so it's hard to get that wrong.
1: Yeah, that's definitely after Winnie's Heart Powers Up was written and published. My family and I experienced a mass shooting this past summer. And so I was able to use the same process that I had with Winnie and take something that was really hard and difficult to explain and understand and put pictures and words to the story. And I think for me, that's The power in this. I've realized that is my gift. It might not be Mm -hmm. a wonderful story with books and characters, but it's about a story in a book that is good for families, that's good in helping others understand what's happening to them.
0: Right. Wouldn't it be nice if we could write something? Well, it sounds like Divi is the book that you wrote about Divi. It's lighthearted and fun and something that just brings you so much joy. Whereas the other topics that you've chosen to tackle are much more challenging, but how lovely to have that resource to take something that is really frightening. And anytime you're talking about an operation, especially on a child, that seems really fearful, something that children could be very fearful about. And you've given them words for the feelings. You've given them words For the experience. I think once you can assign words to the experience, it takes a little bit of the fear away from it anyway. Don't you think so, Maggie? I do. I think it makes
1: it much more concrete. I think the pictures along with it, it's a package together. I tend to write my books in rhyme, and I think that's because I like to personally read, but I think it's more fun to listen to a book and more joyful to listen to a book that has a rhyming rhythm to it. And so when you kind of couple these difficult topics with a lighter, easier way to read them and to listen to them, I think it's a really nice balance for kids and families.
0: So even your book that dealt with the mass shooting, you did that one in rhyme as well?
1: I did. Wow. When his heart powers up, it literally just pours out of me. It takes a lot of inspiration, which heavy topics can sometimes do that. But I think it's just working it and getting the story right that's really important.
0: I would agree. Getting the story right is important. But wow, being able to have the gift to put something like that with scansion, that's impressive, Maggie. (laughs) I'm really amazed that you were able to do that and tackling a topic that is so difficult. It might be something that most people would want to forget about. But the problem is if you don't talk about it and you don't address it, then you can always have underlying fears and trauma. Having this book as a resource allows people to work through that trauma. Absolutely. And when I think about
1: Winnie, having a heart condition alone and having heart surgery is a big deal. It's a big deal for our kids. And I don't think we minimize it, but I think out of necessity, we have to pick up and move forward and we have to normalize these things. And so to be able to honor the journey and validate that and with a book for kids, I think that's a really special gift.
0: Absolutely.
1: So tell us where people can find your book. My books are available on Amazon and BarnesandNoble.com, And then you can also visit and learn more at www
0: and friends if you're on your exercise bike or walking a dog don't worry i'll have links to both of those in the show notes so you'll just be able to click on it in your phone or in your computer so before we leave maggie what does the future hold for you as far as your writing goes well, sweet we talked, I think it's time for another lighthearted book. So the girls and I <laughs> yeah. have
1: been brainstorming. And I think next up is the cheeks that we smile with and the cheeks that we sit on and somehow bringing all of that together. That and maybe another
0: Divi book. We'll see. I'm sure the world needs more Divi books because <laughs> who doesn't love adorable little hamsters? But I love you said you and the girls. So will the girls take part in writing the next book with you? They do. It's the best part about having
1: little ones. They're my best clientele, my best audience. So (laughs) I really do use them and say, how does this sound? Do you like this? What are the illustrations like? And that was part of the process with Winnie's Heart Powers Up. It was just a piece of paper, but it went into little ones' hands before it ever hit the bookshelf, so to speak. So that was really great, too, to know, Okay, kids are relating to this. They are reading. And these are Winnie's friends and peers. And so I want to empower them to have this knowledge, too.
0: I just love that. Thank you so much for coming on the program today, Maggie. It's been so much fun chatting with you.
1: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate
0: it. Friends, that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Tune in tomorrow for our CHD Spotlight Series. And remember, my friends, you are not alone.
2: Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you have become inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard at any time wherever you get your podcasts. A new episode is released every Tuesday from noon Eastern time.